Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. We are back with fan favorite Jessica Hirsch. Welcome back to So Sorry for Your Loss. Hi, thanks for having me. This week, we are talking about grief of the week, things that are going on in the news that are extra griefy. The first one I want to bring up, Snoop Dogg, the, the legendary rapper. He doesn't even really put out new music, or does he? Figurehead for like the rap and hip hop community, and I want to say like 90s West Coast rap. And now, you know, he's with Martha Stewart and like doing commercials for Tostitos besties yeah I think most recently I saw him in a corona commercial just like strolling the beach drinking a beer living his best life love that for him yeah totally anyway sad news for him Uh, it came out recently that his mother passed away he didn't really say exactly what but there was a post that he did a couple months ago about her being in the hospital her name was Beverly Tate he wrote a really sweet post saying thank you God for giving me an angel for a mother he did a tribute to her at a recent show played a song I think got everybody in the audience in their feels he wrote you taught me how to read and write how to struggle and fight and all the facts of life now you finally got your wings mama that's beautiful beautiful i know we've talked about it with you especially but on the show we love seeing men out there expressing their feelings we love seeing them talk about their grief and you know missing somebody that has passed and this is just another one of those instances of somebody putting it out there in the forefront of social media that it's okay to to miss the person that you lost. Definitely. And I think it goes to say, I mean, we both experienced grief in a very young age, but no matter how old you are, like losing somebody important to you, it will always leave a particular kind of imprint. It doesn't get easier. It becomes easier to accept, I suppose, when you yeah. lose somebody that had like a full life cycle, but it doesn't make it any easier. So I give him a lot of credit for encouraging the dialogue around his mother and also around grief. And like, like you said, like we've said previously, we don't always get to see hetero men expressing their grief in more public ways. So I think anytime that we get to see that and also highlighting emotional range is really, really important. I want to go back to what you just said there about life cycle, because you said that on the second podcast that I had you on, and that has been life changing for me. I say that all the time now, because it is true. Like, losing somebody at the end of a life cycle and in the middle of a life cycle, so to speak, it's very different. And that's a way that I can kind of explain like why this can be so difficult for some people or why it's so hard to accept. And not that one is easier or harder than the other, but they're just different losses. I want to thank you for saying that because I felt like it put everything into such perspective and is something that I rely on when explaining to people the differences of loss or or even what it is I'm trying to do and, and saying like helping people of our generation go through losses because we even don't expect to expect them at this point in our life cycle. You know, we don't right. expect to, to lose a mother or a father or a friend or a sister or whoever at this age that we are because we're told that that doesn't happen until later in your years but to that point you're right like 
it's not to say that when somebody does die at the end of their life cycle, it's not sad. And of course it is. And so this is, I think, Snoop Dogg putting that out there saying, I'm I'm a tough guy. I'm a rapper. I'm all these things. My mom was older. She was sick. I knew it was coming, but I'm feeling it. And it's totally fair. It's totally fair and totally valid. And I think like you express this all the time that like all grief is valid, no matter, you know, how seemingly big or seemingly small, all grief is always valid. But in particular, this validating the existence of grief, even if it is a end of somebody's life cycle, even if they got to see them, you know, have kids, have an amazing career, his mom got to see which is amazing. It doesn't make it it doesn't make it easier that that person to him is gone. So kudos to Snoop for yeah. forever and always for a lot of different things, but in particular for this. And I think the two of us have a, like an extra special, you know, like feeling of appreciation towards that. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but I'm feeling like this is not the end of it. I feel I'm having these like intuitions that Mr. Dog, D-O-double-G, is going to do like something big in in memory of his mom. I'm not sure if it's like a song or a... Like his own Donda. Yes. 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 Yeah. I could totally see that. I think that that would be a really beautiful tribute to... Have you, have you listened to Donda, by the way? I've listened to a few songs from it. I can't say I've listened to the whole thing. How about you? I have not. I Like other than what Spotify feeds me, I haven't really dug into it. I was just wondering if it's like extra sad I don't think that every song is particularly themed towards sadness I mean like one of the funniest lyrics of all time I had it as my Instagram bio for about four minutes because it was cracking me up (laughs) I think it's like if I hate you with a W-Y-D you better not hit me with an H-E-Y it better be high with a bunch of I's or hey with a bunch of Y's incredible incredible stuff I know and he's always like hi with a bunch of I's like not how I just did it I wouldn't say that that is particularly themed toward his mother I think that no. that's just towards Kanye being Kanye. That's just like, but, yeah. but I do know that when he was performing it live, he had the stage set up. He spent a lot of money on production and it was modeled to look like his childhood home in Chicago. Oh, wow. He, yeah, he was. I mean, he is a lot of things. But one thing he is, is particularly visionary when oh he my gosh. can. Yeah, right. He's a lot of things. But his artistic vision is insane. And I think he probably saw that as a tribute to her to like make it visibly in the house where they spend so much of their lives together. Yeah, and that's true. I didn't even really think of, like, with his whole album and everything. I mean, his, I remember that. Gosh, that was, what, back in, like, 2007, 2008 that she passed away? Yeah. I remember, like, I think being he out. In his, he must have been in his early 30s, so he was young. It was an yeah. untimely loss. Yes. And it was a particularly, from what I remember, troubling situation. It was, like, a surgery complication or something that shouldn't have happened. I think it was. I think it was a cosmetic surgery, too. Not that that matters, but just like you certainly don't expect something to go wrong with that. You know, it's not like she's going in for major heart surgery or brain surgery or something. So, yeah, the the untimeliness of it all. I think I think Kanye certainly got other things going on, like you said. But I think that that's something to look at of, of how that's really impacted him in his life and his his ability to kind of get a grasp of his emotions and and feel but I've always thought that that's maybe something that him and Kim have have bonded over of course the loss thousand percent of a parent and this is a perfect segue because I would like to discuss Kim and her new love interest who also lost a parent Pete Davidson just Hirsch I need 
absolutely need to hear your thoughts on this. There's literally nothing I'd rather talk about more. Thank you so much. <laughs> really quick, I will go back to Kim and Pete because I could talk about it all day. But just to say, I think it would be fascinating to look at Kanye through the lens of like almost like a thesis, like a thesis on Kanye and how he yeah. changed the persona and perspective. And maybe we don't always give him the grace that we would like to be given as people who have lost somebody. So, and that's not to excuse a lot of other things that Kanye has done because there have been a lot of touchy things. But anyway, me next time I write a thesis statement, it's going to be yeah. Kanye lens of grief. Yeah, and listen, I'm. We have to do some research on that because I wouldn't be shocked if somebody already has. So we'll have to look I'm into sure. that. I'm yeah. sure we will. First, you did that, but I keep saying that Kim and Courtney are in their hot topic phase. Like uh -huh. they're in uh -huh. high school, you know, they're getting those gummy bracelets. They're just learning about black nail polish and like yeah. everything's yeah. a little. They're like like they just found out about Good Charlotte, Simple For Plan. Sure. Yeah, uh huh. So it's heavy Simple Plan vibe. It's heavy like just got into Dashboard and brand new and something corporate. But uh -huh. oh, something corporate, so good. The 2021 version, I think that there's definitely something that Pete and Kim can relate on with the loss of their fathers. And I think wanting their fathers to see how far they've come, I've noticed as a thread between both of them. Yeah. I wouldn't ordinarily have put them together, but like Pete Davidson. Nobody has, would. No, Pete Davidson has it. I don't know what it is. He's got the je ne sais quoi. I am right there with you. I am right there with you. I... It's the it's the BDE. First of all, everybody talks about 100%. that. Hundred percent. He was the originator. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember if it really started for me with the Ariana thing or if I felt it before. But like, I just remember being like, yeah, no, I am strangely attracted to him. And I don't know why. I think it's just the energy he exudes his like no fucks given attitude. He's funny. And let's be serious. Like that is what wins over a lady is when somebody can make you laugh. That is huge, huge, huge. And he's successful. You know, I and mean, he's like he's, he's yeah, also that tall. too. Yeah. Of course, of course. He's a double threat. He's got he's got height, he's got comedy. Yeah. He's got weird tattoos. Like I'm I'm totally for it. I cannot imagine what they sit and talk about. But Pete has previously been at dinner with Kanye and Timmy Chalamet. And there was some story, I think it's Pete had to pick up the bill and he was like the poorest person at the table. He yes. said great story. So I'm like, oh, you've had dinner with both counterparts of of the family. So I do want to go back and tell that story because it is really funny. It's this clip that's circulating about that he was on the Jimmy Fallon show talking about how it was Kid Cudi's birthday and they went for the birthday yeah. party and he was like, oh, I want to pick this tab up because it's his birthday. He talked to the waiter before and then like more people started coming to the table and then he was like, okay, it's fine. They're skinny. We'll be okay. I'll be able to afford this. And then he said all of a sudden Kim and Kanye showed up and he's like, oh shit. And he was like texting his manager like, yo, you got to book more shows. Like I'm not going to be able to afford this dinner. And because Kanye was like, yo, bring out this stuff that's not even on the menu. I want the special shit here for dinner. And Pete was just telling the story about how like, oh my God, how am I supposed to afford this dinner? And I forget what, what the the ending of it was if he did end up paying or what. But to your point with that, I wonder if that is making it uncomfortable now that they do have that past. Like you said, yes, he sat down with them as a couple and had dinner with like, them. 
catching eyes across the table. Like, do you think that either of them felt like a no, little No, I, mean, I don't think this was even a thought in her mind until she did SNL. And they spent and, like, some time together. They had that, they had they that, had that kiss. kiss. Yeah. I think she, I don't think this is anything serious whatsoever. I think she's just living her life. She's having fun and good for her. You know, like she works so hard. She's probably worked so hard at that marriage. And now if this is her ability to just like kind of let loose and have some fun, like basically what Courtney did, which led to this like epic love story. Do I think that that's how this is going to end? Absolutely not. But get after it, Kimmy. Have some fun. A hundred percent. I feel like one thing that Kim needs in her life is like more fun. And I think that Kanye was so specific on being a visionary and being an artist and like, she can like let her hair down. I'm like, yes, go on, go to Staten Island, ride the ferry, like wear your big fur coat, get a solid meal, sit in Pete's mom's living room because he lives there. (laughs) Do do I want to be a fly on the wall more than anything? Like I just have a vision of this couch in Staten Island just because it's in Staten Island. I see it covered with plastic. No, no shame to Staten Island. Oh yeah, of course. A floral couch covered in plastic with like plates on the wall. You know when people do that? Yeah. Do I know? And like (laughs) it is definitely wearing like an all latex Balenciaga because she's having a Balenciaga moment. An all latex outfit and it's like sticking to the plastic <laughs> like the plastic on plastic and you know they're supposed to like go out and get drinks so we have to buffer in five minutes because kim is literally stuck to the couch in staten island <laughs> can't you see it like i hear the yeah oh i, I love mean. that and i know that i feel like even if this doesn't last they'll be in each other's lives for a long time because pete and machine gun kelly are good friends who's good friends with travis parker oh so right right feeling- right I have a feeling that this might not be end game, but a few years down the road, like everybody will be at a dinner and be like, oh my God, Pete and Kim, how funny was that? And they'll like both be doing whatever. And they're like, that was amazing. And hopefully it just turns into, if it doesn't turn into anything romantic, I really hope they have like a nice lifelong friendship. Yeah. Or who knows? I mean, like what is end game? You know, like Kim's probably, I don't know if she'll want to get married again. She's been married three times and she's, she has four beautiful children, an amazing career. Like she's accomplished so much in her life. Like, is is end game marriage again or is it just like having fun and being happy and doing your thing and does that mean her being able to be on the west coast or traveling or whatever she's doing for months at a time and then like just see pete every now and then i don't know what his story is i don't know if he wants kids and wants marriage and wants all that i mean he did propose to ariana grande he was in a pretty serious relationship before that so maybe he does but i mean he is just bouncing from a list to hottie to model to to everything recently he's also living it but let's let's forecast for a little bit what if that table that you're talking about it isn't a joke and they're all sitting around there with kim and pete still together and what if Pete is her date to their wedding, to Travis and Courtney's wedding. Nothing would make me happier. Like, I see Pete in a tux with Converse, you yes. know. And him, like, trying to edge him up. And he's like, I just want to wear these shoes. You know, like, he, I I can see it clear as day. Do you think, do you think Courtney will have bridesmaids? Like, are we going to get a Chloe and Lamar wedding situation? I don't think so. I don't think so. So either, if anything. I, I'm also shocked that the the ring is as traditional as it is. I mean, it's a beautiful oval diamond. I was expecting, like, where's, like, the black diamond? Where are the rubies around it, like, symbolizing dripping blood? Like, why, there are, like, no, like, triangles as, like, fangs or something. Like, it's very simplistic and very traditional. So maybe she will surprise us and maybe she will want that fairy tale wedding that she never had because we have to remember for as long as she was with Scott, this was her first proposal and her first marriage. I know. And like speaking of Scott, I like 
he must really be going through it. I, I he's know. done a lot of not great things. Talk over about the years. grief. I know oh. that's what I was going to say. Like he must have so much compound grief right now because I mean I think you talk about it a lot, but the grief grieving from one thing usually just it's I don't know what compound interest is. I always try to, but like I feel like grief is compound grief. So you get one and it just keeps building on itself yeah. and building on it. So he's grieving the relationship with the mother of his children, which reminds him of the grief of losing both of his parents at a very un you know like a tragic situation. So. Scott must be really going through it and I'm sad for him. And I mean, he and Amelia broke up, but I don't think absolutely. But yeah, I saw her, by the way, when I was in LA, she was at a restaurant that I was at. She walked in, I was sitting pretty close to the entrance and saw her and she's beautiful in person. Stunning. Stunning. I don't think that Scott is really taking that breakup so hard. They weren't together that long. I think it was, you know, a fun little thing. We know Lisa Rinna wasn't taking that breakup hard. She was thrilled when it happened. Oh yeah. She was celebrating. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you're right. I, I forget about Scott. Not that I forget. I mean, I actually I think about that in relation to the relationship that he has with the Kardashian family and how right. they really brought him in under their wing after somebody. He's he's an only child, right? And he lost both parents. Yeah. I mean, I cannot even fathom how isolating that has to be. I, I mean, I feel that way. And I still have my mom. Like, I, I feel so alone sometimes just being an only child, being the only person grieving my dad as a dad, that to have both parents happen like that. And then he's got to feel like there's some disconnect now with the family now that Travis is in the picture. But I, I don't imagine, again, like you said, he's the father of, of those three kids. He's been there for what feels like forever. I imagine they're going to keep him in the picture and hopefully they can co-parent and it can be a beautiful thing. Travis seems like a wonderful person. What's his story, by the way? Did did he lose a parent or anybody in his life? Because it's it's like looking like we're looking at everybody in the Kardashian clan that they're they're really able to connect with people over that, the loss of their father. And I, like I've always said, they've really kept that at the forefront of their story. I'm not sure, but... Going back to something you were saying, how they've kept, you know, both that in the forefront, but also I think that Chris is somebody that grief resonates with really strongly. I mean, we have to remember she lost her best friend, Nicole Brown. Yes. Simpson, and then she lost Robert. So I think that losing people is something that she is so protective of the people she cares about. And that's why like Lamar stayed in their orbit for so long. Yeah. I'm sure that he still talks to Kanye and Scott's not going anywhere for many reasons. But she, I think, is like, you're a member of this family. You're somebody I love. And because I've experienced the loss of people that I really care about, I'm not letting other people I care about go too far. So Scott's in it forever. I think it's up to Courtney if he's allowed to go to like the Christmas party. But he's right. in the family. And I yeah. think that I actually give, I mean, I give Chris credit for a million things. I love that woman. But I think that she worked so hard to keep the memory of Robert Kardashian Sr. Yeah. alive. Like I remember early seasons, they were constantly going to dinner at that Armenian restaurant that Robert yes. loved. Robert was Armenian. And you know, the present that was the most impactful to Chris was when I think it was Kim got her access to the house that they had like the childhood home. And that meant everything to Chris. She's sentimental. Also, Courtney is incredibly sentimental. So I'm sure that like having a, she and Travis were friends for a long, long time. So I think yeah. that the trust is obviously something super important to her, but the sentimentalness of like this being somebody who's been in my life, who's seen me in ups and downs, who understands 
my complicated relationship that understands that right. I lost my father, the, you know, complexities of being in a famous family. I think the sent like the sentimentalness of Courtney, that's probably really weighing heavy in this relationship with Travis because he gets it. Absolutely. The storyline that's going on this morning, this is Sunday morning when we're recording this, is there's videos going around where they're, the family is doing karaoke and there's a blonde head and people are speculating that it's Pete Davidson. Other people are speculating that it's Ellen DeGeneres. So hilarious <laughs> that we're comparing those two figures. But if that's where it's like, are, are, is Kim bringing Pete around the family already? Is this what's happening? I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what comes out and, and who actually was in attendance. People are literally analyzing the, the, the voices in the background. Some people say that there's this one clip where it sounds exactly like Pete Davidson. Another clip where it sounds exactly like Ellen. And listen, the family is phenomenal at doing these little things to keep themselves in the news to keep people guessing about what's going on 100 percent. so kim's fashion morphs quite often as we know and you know there was her like neutrals phase like no color no long nails no happiness on your face no nothing when she was with kanye and similar to how courtney's style has kind of morphed being with travis i wonder if we're gonna see that from kim but i i don't i don't i don't know that she's gonna go that far I don't think we're going to go that far. And I also think that like being edgy isn't so hard into Pete's aesthetic. Whereas Travis is like, it's very him, you know, the face tattoos, whatever, like punk rock. I definitely think that Pete has that vibe, but also I think that Kim must be in a pretty long-term partnership with Balenciaga right now, because almost all of her long uh, public appearances, including like the yeah. Met Gala, her entire SNL wardrobe. Well, this week she's Balenciaga. launching with Fendi. Skims and, I know, and Fendi. I know. I wanted to get something. She wore this like insane dress for the, I think it was Wall Street Journal Awards. And I'm like, oh, it's Skims by Fendi. No, it's $4,000. Mm, cool, yes, cool. Yes. cool, cool, cool. So glad cool, that's cool. my entry point. Amazing. Yeah. Real quick, I want to mention Rent the Runway. It's time to stock up that closet with some great looks. Aside from the 700 designers to choose from, Rent the Runway also gives free shipping and dry cleaning, which is a huge savings, both financially and in time. There's exclusive discounts and you can pause or cancel at any time. They have several different plans to fit your needs. And right now, for you, my very valued listener, they're offering 40% off the first two months of your eight or 16 item plan. I have the eight item plan and I think it's perfect. I feel like I get a great variety every month. So use code RTRGiana, that's R-T-R-G-I-A-N-N-A for 40% off your first two months of the eight or 16 item plan. Happy shopping and tag me in your new looks. But there is also a rumor that there were possibly cameras at the dinner that Pete and Kim had in Staten Island. So if we see this on Hulu, I think they're going to talk about their dads. Being in Staten Island, being where his dad's from, where there's probably so many memories of him. Again, it's something that they share that's very unique. They lost them young. Because because I think Pete was, Pete had to have been real young because it was two, uh, yeah. 2001 during the September 11th attacks and, and Kim was in her teen years. So again, that, you know, before the end of a life cycle when a person dies and then certainly in the early years of your life definitely a bonding experience for them so I wonder if we'll see it you will I, hear about it right here on so sorry for your loss if you do you amen. know we will be covering it again <laughs> you you must be it would be impossible not to be another thing I want to bring up if you don't have any more comments on Kim and Pete I mean we could still sit Let here and talk think. about that forever but I could talk about them forever. Oh, one, read the dinner if it was them. I don't know what night or the karaoke party. If it was on a Saturday night, just see if P 
Pete was on SNL that night. I That's- think it was like a, a Thursday or Friday. And that was what happened. People were coming out and be like, no, he has to be on SNL this week. And some of the people were like, haven't you heard of planes? Like he can clearly get from one coast to the other. I can't imagine Ellen being at that dinner at the karaoke party. If it were Chris's birthday dinner, I could see Ellen being there. Are they friends? I think they're really good friends. Oh, right. The girls are always on the girls. They're always <laughs> on the show. They're always on Ellen. You're yeah. Right. Wow, the plot thickens. The plot thickens. All right, moving Please on. Post, wait, wait, wait. Please post an IG poll story and ask people if they think it was Pete or Ellen and they can vote. Okay. Or none of the above. <laughs> okay. I will do that. Yeah. All right. Moving on a little. The Atlantic recently came out with an article about going back to work. I personally am not back in the office yet. You said you go in every now and then? I go in most days, actually. But I have I can work from home as needed, too. Yeah, which is nice. So this article is highlighting grief in the workplace entitled The American Workplace Isn't Prepared for This Much Grief. So the pandemic has highlighted the fact that Without federal bereavement policy, many people are subject to the whims of state legislatures and individual companies and how it's it's not a, a streamlined policy within companies or or across the board of what is offered. You know, there there was a story within the article about a woman who said she couldn't take multiple days off after the death of her fiance because they weren't legally married. I think she had like one to three days off and was expected to be back at work. And then her performance was clearly not up to par because she was grieving the love of her life, who she thought she was going to be married to, and then was fired after not keeping up the numbers that she she was before. She worked at a mortgage company, and that's just horrible. And I know this is something that's been I, – I, I should be paying attention to it more, and I will say that Modern Loss, if you follow them on social, does a really good job at advocating for this type of stuff. I haven't been keeping up with where this is in, in Biden's plan and what's been going on with it, but I, I know that it's it's not good. It's not looking it's not looking good, but it is true and it, it's it's hitting the the mainstream now. For every one person that died, there's nine people around them in their circle that will feel that intense grief. Well, millions of people have died. So that's nine million at the very least that are feeling this. I mean, millions of people that are in intense grief now more so than ever. So it's it's very interesting point to bring up. How are workplaces going to handle this? And and I don't know, does, does your company, you don't need to say the name specifically, but do you know if your company has bereavement policy or health benefits for, for people that may be grieving? I think the working from home thing is at least very good to give people that mental break. I mean, I felt like some days it's I just can't be in front of one more person and fake a smile and to just be home is huge since I'm newer to my company I don't know our specific policy when it comes to bereavement and grief but I can only expect that it would be pretty generous because they have generous benefits in general but before COVID before all of this when I lost my mom I was on FMLA to take care of her same well not to take care but I went on FMLA after the fact (laughs) Oh, yeah. okay, exactly. So my FMLA was ending two days after my mom ended up passing away. And I had a call up with my boss like a week before. And she said, you know, like, I know you're going through a lot. I don't know what's going on. And she was wonderful. This wasn't like a thing about her. And she was like, but if you come back, you have to come back at a hundred percent. And like, you need to be back on Tuesday or whatever. And I was like, back at a hundred percent. 
Like, what do you mean back at a hundred percent? And I'm sure I would have been able to take like a bereavement day, but also a lot of times when people go on leaves, like you did, or I did, they'll have you use up all your PTO first. Yeah. And then you can take FMLA. So I got all of my PTO taken first. And then I was off for whatever it is, like three months to take care of my mom. It's the same amount of time you have for maternity leave, whatever. And unfortunately my mom ended up passing away in that time period. And it was at the very end. And I'm like, you want me to come back? Like after I would have just lost my mom, I couldn't take bereavement days. It, I mean, the career path in healthcare consulting was not the path for me again, lovely people, but not for me. So I ended up leaving, but I cannot imagine if, you know, I would have had a funeral on Saturday and on Monday, no Monday, whatever day it was. And then having to be at work on Tuesday. Are you kidding? That's yeah unacceptable. I think that a lot of times with health insurance, with policy, like things look so clinical. And I think that employer discretion is so important because Mm -hmm. employers actually, theoretically, if you work for, you know, a small enough company or a company that really prioritizes its employees, they know the people who work for them better than the government. So Mm -hmm. like, you should be able to say, you know what, fine, take another week off and do what you have to do. And then when you come back, you can work from home. You can have a flex schedule, whatever. I think a lot of places will do that with new parents too. They'll say, okay, do you want to do like yeah, three days, in the, or three days out of the office, two days in, like to try to acclimate for, you know, at least a month or two. And I think that the more flexibility you can give people, the better. And like you said, there's 900 million people grieving right now. And then that's not even to say, I know in my office, anytime we talk about COVID, and I talked about this the last time I was on, I had really severe COVID and I have PTSD when we even talk about it. Like if somebody coughs and thinks they're sick and I'm not grieving per se, but I'm traumatized. And so think about not even like the people who are grieving, the people who are just experiencing trauma in relation to COVID, whether they had it, whether somebody they know had it really seriously we're coming into the workforce at like, forgive my French, a really fucked up mental place right now as, as a world, not, not me, not you, everybody. So I can't imagine that limiting leaves is going to be healthy for corporate environments. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, just even, this is two examples that we're talking about right now between you that you said, this isn't working for me. I'm leaving. And between this other woman in the article that said, that, that was fired because her performance wasn't up to par. Isn't that enough to say, if we give people the, the allowance to grieve that they need up front, we're only going to see the benefit from it on the back end. When you try to force right. the hand, it's not working. No, it doesn't work. And also, it's like you aren't giving credit to good talent. I understand from a workplace perspective that, you know, if somebody's out for three months, you have to find somebody to like fill their needs. I get that. But if it just means somebody doesn't have to come into the office every single day, or, you know, like they have something where if the team agrees to offload some of their projects, I I don't know. Yeah. You can't calculate how much time it takes to grieve or yeah. the person's grieving that woman saying that she lost her fiance and it didn't count in a bereavement policy. What if there's somebody who was raised by an aunt and uncle or a grandparent right. and right. that person passes, you know, you want to spend as much time or, you know, I'm really close with, my grandmother, I was close with my grandmother who passed away as well, but my grandmother who's alive and God forbid something happened to her. Like I would expect more than a day. Yeah. God, God forbid it's a million years off, but you know what I mean? You just hope that the places where 
you work, the people are understanding and really do say, take all the time you need. When you're back, come back in the way that works for you. You know, if it's starting at 50% and going up to 100%, it will not succeed if you expect people to come back just being like, hi, I'm here. Yeah. I'm ready to work. When their entire world has been rocked. Impossible. It's like asking somebody to commute from another planet. I'm not kidding. It's like, oh, we expect you to still be here, but this person doesn't even live in the same plane that they used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that it took this, you know, to happen to our, to our world for, for them to, or for, you know, people in the government to really look at it. But uh, I'm hoping that we do see some positive changes. My FMLA experience, which first of all, FMLA is, you need a degree in who knows what to even figure out all the things that you have to go through and to do it and to call this person and call this and then you have to get this signed and this they don't make it easy but i understand why because there are probably people that want to abuse the system but i went on, i remember calling hr and saying i talked to the people from fmla and i told them that my dad died and they said that that wasn't enough of a reason which like i don't know if they misunderstood what i was saying but and hr was like it's it's unfortunately not enough of a reason to just take FMLA. Like you need to have some type of information from a therapist or a medical professional. But yeah, that was just my understanding was like, oh, I'll just tell them that my dad died and I suffered a loss and they'll just give me, they'll grant me time off, which is not. Oh, you could take a bereavement day. Yes. You could take bereavement days technically. And I said at the beginning, I believe my current employer to be absolutely lovely. And I think that they would give us all of the like patience and grace in the world. But I know with like a lot of places that are a bit more, I want to say like clinical or to the book, Bereavement days, you barely get any. Anybody who passed, if you are part of the team who has to put together a funeral, who has to do all of the logistics, you have to meet with an estate person. You have to- Yeah, that's not um, time to grieve. Close that's out still bank accounts. working that's, on it, yeah. You can't do that in three days, let alone, you can't do it in six months. And you can't emotionally cope with doing that. Mm-hmm. I remember cleaning out my mom's house and you know, sometimes my aunt and my brother would come up and it was helpful, but it was- I felt like I was the one who was doing a lot of it. That, uh, and I can't imagine if I was working during that, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I ended up having, I consulted with my therapist who said like, listen, you're not in any condition to be working right now and went through through right. that avenue. But I, I do really, I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? I really respect and, and have a lot of, I hold a place in my heart for the place that I, I work because they didn't make me feel like, oh, this is FMLA. We're, we're doing this and we're giving you this grace because we're federally mandated to. It very much was like, take your time, do what you need to do. We'll be here when you get back. They checked in on me. They sent gifts. They were really wonderful. And, and honestly, it didn't end after that three months. You know, again, there is no timeline of grief. I mean, I went through it up and down for many times. I think I've talked about on this podcast before. I work at the hospital where my dad died. And there were many days where I'd be like, I fucking hate it here. I don't want to be in this place. And it, it was really difficult for a long time. And they just were nothing but wonderful to me. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I really can't even imagine. And like having that experience, it's still hard, you know? So like, I can't imagine. And I, I can completely understand why you made the decision that you did to leave your place of work. That wasn't quite as understanding because I, I I can imagine that just completely increases the, the stress and the intensity of emotions that you're feeling when you have that placed on your shoulders too, of, of, of a workplace that's not understanding. I don't blame 
them because, you know, I had just taken FMLA. What can they do? So, I mean, I think from a federal perspective, they were doing everything right. And ultimately, it ended up being the right thing for me to leave because I was able to pursue the career I wanted to. So, like, the timing ended up fine, but I was in a position where I was also okay if I financially, if I didn't work for a small amount of time, because I would be fine. But like a lot of people aren't in that position. They can't say, okay, I'm going to leave. Like that, you know, I was very lucky that I was able to take a little bit of time for myself and, you know, it ended up being the best thing for me being able to leave that employer, but they made, they a little bit made the choice for me being like, you have to be back on Tuesday at hundred percent. And I'm like, I'm burying my mom on Monday. So I don't think so. Nope. That's not, that's not going to happen for me. Like, no. And I I just can't imagine it. It's got to be really, really hard for people that are in those positions and they don't have the flexibility or privilege to be able to say, it really is a privilege to say I can lose my job right now. And Ugh, yeah, tell me about it. I know. I, I know. I need I, to I need it, to be better at following along with this and seeing what's going on because yeah. it obviously is such an important issue and one that, you know, I, 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 I want to feel like I can protect everybody else and I, I I being in this position should have some should have some say about it so maybe I'll start pushing it out there a little bit more on socials and anybody listening if you have somebody that you think I should talk to on this topic please reach out I would oh, love like to bring this more lawyer. to the that would yeah. be so cool yeah that would I would love awesome. to bring this more to the forefront yeah if you like, have somebody that can talk about grief in the workplace or if you have somebody that can confirm whether or not that was Pete Davidson or Ellen DeGeneres please reach out to very important topics that we need to solve here on So Sorry for Loss. We're doing the work of the people. Putting in the work of the people. That's that's <laughs> the new slogan. Peter Ellen, employment, law, and bereavement in policy. Like, they, they go hand in hand, if absolutely. you Absolutely, absolutely. I believe that's my personal brand. <gasps> oh gosh, Jess, thank you so much for being here. It's always lovely to chat with you. I love hearing your perspective on everything from you know the broad range of topics that we talked today from something as serious as bereavement plans, but also the fun and just exciting stuff going on in the media with pop culture, with Kim and Pete. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts before we close out today? G, thank you for having me. I have to say, I'm just so proud of you. You're really killing it. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you. thank you. And thank you for putting like this thing that's kind of in the shadows. Thanks for putting it at the forefront and on the iTunes charts. Like you're doing the work. Ah, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Well, Jessica Hurst, we love you. And this will not be the last we hear from you. I am sure I'm going to keep bothering you and keep bringing you on. So thanks again for it your time. It's my pleasure. You know, I love the sound of my own voice. I know you guys don't. It sounds like Fran <laughs> Pressure. But I love it. Amazing. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at So Sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of So Sorry for Your Loss. So stay tuned. 